Thank you so much, Aaron and Sarah, leading us in worship today. Well, we're glad to see you here today. Appreciate you coming and being a part of our service. Anybody stay up late last night, maybe? And uh, I don't say that because you look like it. You look like you're ready to worship and you're ready to be here. But uh, may the Lord continue to quicken our spirit and be ready for what He has in store today. I'm up earlier than usual on a early morning service. Uh, because we have our children going to be singing at the uh, very end of the service. In fact, both our children's choirs are going to be singing, so we'll be looking forward to that. You'll be praying for them, and they're going to sing at the beginning of the next service. And uh, also, we're going to be partaking of the Lord's Supper uh, today, and we want to prepare our hearts even now for that time, so you'll be prepared to partake here in a few moments, in a few minutes, as we go through. Would you, for now... Uh, find the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 28. 1 Samuel 28. Or, uh, we have some Bibles sometimes that are underneath the chairs. You can find it on your phone. But I'd love for you to be able to look at this passage along with me. 1 Samuel chapter 28. We're going to be reading verses 3 through 25. And uh, I don't know if you noticed the subtitle of the message today uh, or not. The Witch of Endor. I don't know. Because I want to know what you first thought of when you saw that. You may or may not know this story. Not a familiar story in the Bible for some. but uh, And this may be generational. But uh, some of you may have first thought of the mother-in-law uh, of uh, Darren Stevens on the show Bewitched. That may be. Endora uh, was her name. In fact, for the sitcom came out in the 60s and the 70s. In fact, for those who grew of us who grew up in the 60s and the 70s, my age and older maybe, that uh, uh, Endora probably is what you thought a witch would look like. So that, that's okay. And then, now, if you were of a younger generation, or maybe if you were a Star Wars fan, and there are some of you maybe that might would be in here for that, then you might have thought of, uh, I think it's called the uh, Forest Moon of Endor, which is mentioned in a couple of the Star Wars flicks. I know some of you are like, what in the world is that? But I think it's the place where Darth Vader died, perhaps, and Episode 196 or something like that. I'm not sure which one it was, or negative six. However they, however they... But long before this uh, generational, fictional acknowledgement, there was a witch from Endor, for which, for which we're going to be using for our purposes today as we talk about finding answers in Jesus. Believe it or not, from this passage in 1 Samuel 28, as we talk about uh, finding answers from Jesus on this October 31st. Now, October 31st is also known as All Saints Day, 504 years ago, Martin Luther, uh, he posted his 95 Theses, which sparked the beginning of the Reformation and the rise of the Protestant church of which we are a part of today. So for some, and some churches particularly celebrate, some de denominations talk about All Saints Day. There are some who feel strongly that Halloween should never be mentioned by believers or in church. And we certainly do not celebrate it as a church or religious holiday. Most of us treat it very lightly, maybe fun, fun for the kids. But we have those who are among us, among our, in our cities and our towns, and it continues to be on the rise, take it very seriously, even stay out of work on the 31st because if, it's not, if it's on a weekday because they're part of an increasingly popular uh, Wicca or Wiccan occult rising more and more in North America, and if I understand correctly, particularly in these past couple of years, and probably because people are desperate to be able to find answers, and they're looking sometimes in the wrong places even for their answers. Now, today's not necessarily a study of the occult per se, nor is it how Christians should respond to Halloween, except to say that we ought to take advantage of every opportunity to be able to share the love of Jesus. 
But after prayerful thought and consideration, I wanted to share on this day something that would be biblical and capture your attention and something that I probably would not ordinarily choose to preach, but uh, continuing in our series about finding answers in Jesus. But let's, so let's ask, and here's some common questions asked about the supernatural. Are there such things as ghosts or spirits that roam the earth? Uh, are we able to communicate uh, in any way with people who have died? And how do we explain so-called powers of fortune tellers, witches and such? And does Satan have the power to control our thoughts and read our minds? Now, probably could tell you that I can answer these questions probably in very short order, maybe just a word or two on each. But I just don't want to just be able to answer these questions. What I really want us to do is to be able to understand how we as believers can demonstrate our faith and trust in Christ, the one who triumphs over Israel, over uh, evil, especially in these days. So here's what we're going to do. First Samuel 28, kind of walk through, kind of sail through these verses, and every now and then we're going to dock at certain places and see what lessons there might be for us. And you kind of hang in there with us, and we want you to want us to be able to understand. So we talk about five life lessons for believers who want to demonstrate their faith and their trust in Jesus. Let's just read the first verse. Verse 3 says this. 1 Samuel chapter 28 and verse 3 says, By this time Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him, and buried him in Ramah, his city. And Saul had removed the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Now make sure that we understand a couple of things before we go on with the story one of the characters, of course, here uh, is Samuel that is mentioned here. Samuel, the great prophet, has died. And even before he died, his word from the Lord to King Saul was that the Spirit had left King Saul because of his unfaithfulness and because he was no longer trusting in God. And also we need to understand, as the king, Saul had, in his, one of his better moments, had banned all spiritists and mediums. By definition, those words were those who claimed to have contact with the dead. Now, the law of God in Deuteronomy chapter 18, 11, and Leviticus 19, 31 banned God's people from having anything to do with sorcery or mediums or anything of such. And previous to this time, Saul had made it a capital offense for there to be such in Israel. So I want to go ahead and give you lesson one here, which will be good for us as we move and understand more about that. Avoid what appears to be from the supernatural, but not from God. Avoid anything that appears to be from the supernatural, not from God. Anything, uh, regardless of the source, resist the temptation to investigate or to pursue or to show the least bit of curious interest of those things that are not of the Lord. Now, before we go further, we also want to understand that we also to avoid living under a legalistic code of conduct. Uh, our life with Christ is about a relationship and is not about an order of rules. In other words, to decide, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to decide I'm not going to watch or read Harry Potter. I'm not going to be on Netflix and watch anything that has anything to do with the Lucifer or the devil. And that will somehow make me a better Christian is probably to miss the point. However, we are to avoid and to turn away from anything that would tend to lead us away from trusting in Jesus and to understanding that we are to grow in our faith and use everything to help us to grow in our faith in the supernatural Son of God. Verses 4 through 7 says this in our chapter, verse 4, The Philistines came together and camped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel and they camped at Gilboa. 
When Saul saw the Philistine camp, he was afraid and trembled violently. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him in dreams or by the Urim or by the, the prophets. Saul then said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium so I can go and consult her. His servants replied, There is a woman at Endor who is a medium. Saul, first king of Israel. We find him in this particular situation. He was afraid. And if you notice, he's not just afraid, he's terrified. Now, kind of a quick history lesson. King Saul, the tall warrior who at one time stood above all the rest of the Israelites, both physically and spiritually, was God's chosen king to lead Israel. But his faith and his obedience wavered. Let me, let's look at a couple of verses on the screen. 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 6 says this. See if we've got that one. It, said, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will control you. Lord speaking to Samuel uh, or to Saul. King Saul says, You will prophesy with them and you will be transformed into a different person because of God's Spirit. Uh, and then chapter 10, verses 23 through 24 says this. It says, They ran and got him from there. When he stood among the people, he stood a head taller than anyone else. Talking about uh, King Saul. Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the one the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among the entire population. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Now this would be, of course, King Saul, was, he was becoming king. And it was a high point for him, certainly spiritually speaking. But then we find in chapter 16 and verse 14, 1 Samuel 16, 14, Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul. More of a dark time, and an evil spirit sent from the Lord began to torment him because he was disobedient to the Lord and because of his unfaithfulness. Saul had, been, had rebelled and had turned against God. Now, this story that we're reading today, you may or may not be as familiar with, but you're familiar with the story of David and Goliath, aren't you? So you know when the David comes onto the scene, and the same ones who are in this story or in that story, there's the Philistines uh, or on one hill, and all the Israelites on another hill, valley in between, every day Goliath would go out and taunt the Israelites. And when David showed up on the scene, who was afraid of Goliath? Everybody, including King Saul. Now that's First Samuel chapter 17. So had God's Spirit continued to be with Saul, he may not have been afraid. But Saul had left God and God's Spirit was on another. And so in this story, 1 Samuel chapter 28 that we're reading, we find the Philistines again. They're coming to battle the Israelites. So the Philistines had gathered on one hill, so Saul gathered all of his army on another hill. But King Saul had not heard from God. They had not heard from God or good news from God for a long time, but he said he hadn't heard from God by dreams, a common way in which sometimes God would reveal himself or speak in the Old Testament. By the Urim, the high priest carried the Urim and the Thummim, which were pieces of stones that were somehow used by the high priest in order to help determine God's will. Or by the prophets, Samuel had died. And even before he died, no news was good for Saul. In his desperation of what to do, in his desperation and fear of the loss of the army, and in his, uh, because he was terrified, he sought out a spiritist, a witch, and Saul wanted to conjure up the dead prophet to give direction and hopefully promise victory. So here's lesson number two that we find from the verses that we've read, perhaps. Never become so desperate that you become misdirected. Never become so desperate that you become misdirected. As believers, Jesus has promised He will never leave you nor forsake you, 
There may be times that we may not feel God's closeness, but as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, because we have faith, we know that He is ever close to us, that He never leaves us, never forsakes us. And we understand that feelings are not as important as our faith. And sometimes if we put all of our... Uh, all of our faith and our feelings, then we'll think, well, the Lord's left to me because he doesn't, I don't feel close to Him, but we put our faith in God. And by doing that, sometimes our feelings follow that, but whether they do or not. But here's a desperate situation for King Saul, reminding us it is a desperate situation for all those who continue to reject Jesus. Verses 8 through 12, 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 8. So Saul disguised himself by putting on different clothes and set out with two of his men. They came to the woman at night, and Saul said, Consult a spirit for me. Bring up for me the one I tell you. But the woman said to him, You surely know what Saul has done, how he's killed the mediums and the spiritists in the land. Why are you setting a trap for me to get me killed? Then Saul swore by her, uh, by the Lord, swore to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, nothing bad will happen to you because of this. Who is it that you want me to bring up for you, the woman asked. Bring up Samuel for me, he answered. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed, and then she asked Saul, Why did you deceive me? You are Saul. It is ironic that Saul is so desperate that he wanted to call up and use what would be called a fortune teller, but the fortune teller showed more apprehension than he did. He blasphemously invokes the name of the Lord to assure her that no harm will come. But somewhere between verses 11 and verses 12, she calls for the spirit of Samuel. But something beyond the ordinary happens, for when she actually sees Samuel, she screams at the top of her lungs. What does that tell you? She's not used to seeing dead people. Now, I almost entitled this message, I See Dead People. Because I'm convinced a person who claimed to see others or claimed to bring other people up from the dead never really did. But it finally happened. And she realizes a couple of things. This medium, this witch of Endor that we're calling her, something beyond any power that she has ever seen is taking place here. And she realized that the person then sitting before her who has come disguised so that he would not be recognized as the king, she now recognizes that he is King Saul. So let's ask the question, was she a fake? Was she using tricks and persuasion for people to believe her? Or did she possess some kind of power, albeit from Satan? I will tell you, it's hard to say for sure, but I want you to consider in, in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, when the Israelites were told not to allow the spiritists or the mediums or sorcery in Israel, it wasn't because they were fake, it wasn't because they were real, it because they were dangerous to pulling people away from God. It's akin to the same reason there were to be no idols in the land. Now, an idol isn't real, but it can pull people away from God. It still does today and cause people to put their trust in something else other than the Lord God. But people in desperate times will turn to anything to find a little hope. Now, I'm very skeptical of horoscopes or fortune tellers or modern-day witches having any power at all. But here's the lesson. Less life lesson number three from the passage. The power of Satan is no match for the power of God. In these verses, Samuel, who's already died, appears to King Saul with a message. Now, this was not by the witch's power. 
was not by the power of Satan or by demons, but only by the power of God. Kind of like Moses and Elijah who appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is a one-time unique event. So don't be freaked out about this passage. Don't be spooked out by this, by this story. But it is, in this story, it is a demonstration of the power of God at work. Let's read a little more. Verses 13 through 20. Verse 13 says this of 1 Samuel chapter 28. But the king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? I see a spirit coming up from out of the earth, the woman answered. Then Saul asked her, What does he look like? An old man is coming up, she replied. He's wearing a robe. Then Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed his face to the ground and paid homage. Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up, Samuel asked Saul. I'm in serious trouble, replied Saul. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has turned away from me. He doesn't answer me anymore, either through the prophets or in dreams. So I've called on you to tell me what I should do. Samuel answered, since the Lord has turned away from you and has become your enemy, why are you asking me? The Lord has done exactly what he said through me. The Lord has torn the kingship out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David. You did not obey the Lord, did not carry out his wrath against Amalek. Therefore the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will also hand Israel over to the Philistines along with you. Tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. And the Lord will hand Israel's army over to the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell flat on the ground. He was terrified by Samuel's words. He was also weak because he hadn't eaten any food all day and all night. Now here's one thing that Satan cannot do. That is to bring someone or someone's spirit back from the dead. Satan does have power sometimes to deceive us and even to trick us, the Bible tells us, but he cannot control a believer who has been given over to the Holy Spirit. In other words, those of us who belong to the Lord Jesus, we are protected because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Nor can he read our minds. He does know our tendencies and he knows human nature very well. But only God knows our hearts and our minds. Well, are there ghosts? Are there other spirits and can people be brought back from the dead? In the late 19th century, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was obsessed with the idea of communicating with the dead. He went to the great Harry Houdini and together they offered a large sum of money to any medium, to any fortune teller, anyone who could make any supernatural phenomenon occur that the great Harry Houdini could not duplicate with his own art of illusion. Guess what happened? Nobody ever cashed in on the money because it's all fake. The greatest ghostbusters are the ones trying to make you think that it's for real. In this rare one-time event, certainly never meant to be a pattern, it was by the power of God that Samuel speaks to Saul. And, and he speaks... In verse 16, he speaks maybe some of the saddest words in all of the Old Testament, if not in all of the Bible. Verse 16, notice, it says, He said, The Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy. Did you notice the words in verse 19? Tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. Well, doesn't that sound like something that uh, Jacob Marley said to Ebenezer Scrooge or uh, something from Twilight Zone or Alfred Hitchcock? Less than 24 hours later, Saul and his sons are killed in battle. Actually, Saul fell on his own sword, kind of a final action of not trusting in God and rejecting the Lord. But here's the first king of Israel, chosen by God. Spirit of the Lord was upon him. A one-time fearless king. 
warrior, leader of God's people. Where is he found on the last night of his life? Trembling and without strength, lying on the filthy floor of the person who is a best, a fake fortune teller, and at worst, a witch of Satan. Is there a lesson here? Ah, oh, there is. It's great to start out well. But how important it is to finish well. Now, if you've ever placed your faith in God for salvation, don't stop trusting God now. Trust the Lord Jesus. Continue to trust Him, particularly when times are tough. Saul's namesake of the the New Testament, Saul, who was later called Paul, he, he wrote this in one of his last letters. He said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. Now, most of us, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you started out well. There was a time that you came to this altar, one that was similar, or you were baptized in a baptistry such as this, if not this very one. Or maybe you were with a family member or a friend or a pastor who led you to come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, and you made that public, and you started off well. When life is done, be found praising, praying and practicing the goodness of God. Maybe it is that you're here today and you feel like these words are meant for you that were given to King Saul. Maybe you feel like these words are yours. Uh, The Lord's turned from you and has become your enemy. Boy, some of the saddest words in all of the Bible. But, But I can guarantee you this. Because we live on this side of the cross, because Jesus has paid the price, because He has defeated all evil, all sin, and because He has defeated death, to all those who are here and all those who know Him and have repented of sin, you can know that Jesus will never be your enemy. In fact, the Bible tells us even those who do not know Christ, that have yet to receive Christ, He is not their enemy. He says, even, he says while we were yet His enemies, Christ died for us. King Saul was told, tomorrow's your last day on earth. Now, most of us will not be told when our last day will be. Though we're not promised tomorrow, we're not even promised even one more day. But here's a crux of the message. Place your trust in Jesus today before it's too late and while you can. Because if you've yet to give your heart and life to Jesus, there will be a day when it's too late. If you do not know Jesus today, I want you to prepare something. I want you to prepare today to give your heart and life to Him. If you do know Jesus, if you are a follower of Christ... In a few minutes as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're asked in the Bible to not partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. So partake of the Lord's Supper, we need to do it with confession of sin, with a commitment to Christ. So prepare your hearts, even today, in this very hour, and commit yourself to the Lord. One more section, verses 21 through 25, it says this, The woman came over to Saul, and she saw that he was terrified, and said to him, Look, your servant has obeyed you. I took my life in my hands and did what you told me to do. Now please, she says, listen to your servant. Let me set some food in front of you. Eat it, and it will give you strength so you can go on your way. Verse 23 says, He refused, saying, I won't eat. But when his servants and the woman urged him, he listened to them. He got up off the ground and sat on the bed. The woman had a fattened calf at her house, and she quickly slaughtered it, and she took flour, kneaded it, and baked unleavened bread. She served it to Saul and his servants, and they ate. Afterwards, they got up and left that night. He ate his last supper, last meal. And she had a fattened calf and to kill a fatted calf and to serve it 
It was a meal fit for a king that he took. And notice what else that they ate and that she served. She served bread without yeast, unleavened bread. He ate it and went away into the night. Does that remind you of anything? Does, how about another Last Supper with unleavened bread? It, it just proves that Jesus is in every chapter of the Bible. Saul leaves the hopeless from that meal. But when Jesus ate with his disciples, he was offering hope. And even through trials, even though trials were coming, he wanted to give them encouragement and prepare them for what was going to happen in the hours and the days ahead. Reminding us that Jesus offers hope even in the midst of trials. But there was one, even at the supper with Jesus, that left with little hope. The, John, the gospel writer, tells us about Judas in John chapter 13 and verse 30. John 13 and verse 30 says, So after receiving the morsel, he immediately went out and it was night. And there are some similarities between what happened to Saul and what happened to Judas, both who killed themselves and both who chose darkness. Because I believe even when John, the gospel writer, wrote this, and of course they were eating supper, of course it was at night. I think he was awful. He left that part in about it was night because he wanted us to see the dark hopelessness of those who reject the Lord Jesus. Now, let's admit this is kind of a dark story. But I thought if I'm ever going to preach this, October 31st would be a good time. But I also want you to see God's grace in the story. Even though the word from the prophet Samuel was not good, Israel would lose the battle and he and his sons would die in the battle. But had Saul repented that night? Had he repented? Had he truly trusted in God instead of a witch? This would have been not such a dark story. After all, I want you to consider the grace that the Lord gave. The Lord did not have to send Samuel to give Saul this final warning. But in His mercy, this is one more chance for King Saul to turn back to the Lord. Today, for every one of us, today is another chance. It's another chance if you do not know Jesus as your Savior and Lord to turn from sin, to repent, and put your faith in Him. It's also another chance if you're a follower of Jesus. It's another chance for you to praise and give adoration to the King of kings and Lord of lords. The one who died for you. The one who rose again so that we might have life. The one who has triumphed over evil. And that we might continue once again to put trust in Him and be obedient in all things. So I've got one more lesson for you and it's this. No matter how dark things may seem. There is a light that shines brighter the day that's found in Jesus, our Savior and Lord. It's okay for, to remember October on this October 31st. It's okay to remember it's All Saints Day. It's okay to remember on this Halloween that happened to fall on Sunday. It's okay to remember that first Easter Sunday when Jesus won the victory and He is alive today in order to bring light to the darkness of the world. He is the light of the world and He holds all power in His hands. I was in a, serving in another church in another town. New family had moved into our community not too far from the church. A little boy had come to the church to one of our activities. Might have been a fall festival like what we had last week. And it was on a cool fall right at dusk day that I went and I knocked on the home of this uh, family. Dad came to the door and 
little few tattoos and piercings, no judgment here. And I told him, I said, sure, well, I'm glad that your son came uh, to our uh, event. And he said, I want to invite you, and pastor at the church, and he'd love to invite you to come. And first thing he said to me, he said, well, I think before we go any further, you need to know that I'm a practicing witch. I said, say it again. He did. I said, it's been nice to know you, but I must be moving on. No, I didn't say that. Actually, when he, first thing I thought when he said he's a practicing witch, I wondered why he wasn't a warlock or a wizard or something else besides a witch. But uh, no, I stood there with as much composure and boldness as I could. And I said, uh, I want to tell you that I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus. I too was once lost in sin, and I knew that I needed a Savior. And I told him and shared with him my faith on that day. He did not start speaking in strange voices or crumple up and cry for Jesus. And as far as I know, he never made a profession of faith. But I was assured that the power of God, along with a testimony, a simple testimony, was much greater than anything that that fellow had ever experienced or would ever know unless he turned his life over to Jesus. We know that there are spiritual battles to be fought. We also know the difference that Jesus made and the hope that he brings to our life. It's the same hope that the world needs today. In every season, in every situation in life, let your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, be a demonstration of faith in Christ. The Bible tells us that every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Which means we proclaim the fact that we know that He is the one who has won the victory, the Lord's triumph and victory over evil, over sin, and over death. And so, in just a moment, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. Before that, we do that. We're going to lead in prayer. After the Lord's Supper, if the Lord is leading anyone to make a decision to come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, or who wants to come and make a recommitment, you certainly can do that here today. But let's prepare our hearts in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you at this time. We thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. We thank you for your watch care over us. We thank you, Father, for the light that we can find in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now we come, Father, partaking of your Lord's Supper once again. And as we do, we pray, Father, that you might be able to see into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, that you might remind us of those things that we need to confess and turn over to you. Even now, Father, we pray that even in this prayer, we're turning all things over to you, confessing to you that we continue, Father, to sin, but we are thankful that that sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. We pray, Father, also that we may commit ourselves to you, that even at this time, even on this day, that we might once again proclaim Jesus as our Savior and Lord, and He is King of our hearts, and that we may commit ourselves to trusting in you for all time, in the good times and the bad, and that we also may be ready to confess uh, our love for you before others and the good news of the gospel as you give us opportunities. And we pray, Father, that this time even also is a confession of what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus I pray. Amen.